G'day guys and girls and welcome back to this week's edition of the Extended Bench Podcast. My name's Christian and joining me again this week after co-hosting with us last week is Brody. Thanks for coming in again, mate. Yeah, good to be here under very different circumstances this time, but I'm really excited to talk some keepers. Yeah, we've got something a little bit different for you this week. So what we want to do is we want to dive into keeper leagues. Now, uh, a lot of you out there, if you're already in a keeper league, you'll be uh, having your scheduled top-up draft happening sometime soon. It might have just happened, but most people tend to wait until at least the JLT to get that sort of thing done. So when we say a top-up draft, what we're saying is, uh, you will go in mostly with either um, people from the waiver list from last year or draftees from 2018 available to pick to to top up your team, to add to the uh, the keepers that you already have in there. Um, and what we want to do today is we want to go through and rank what we feel is the top 20 AFL draftees for keeper leagues heading into this year. It was a it was a bit of a trek trying to actually get this list done. Uh, good fun though, good fun. Uh, so what we've done is we've come up with a list of the top twenty on our own, uh, with a little bit more uh, than some, and uh, then we've sat down together before this podcast. We've combined those lists and made one universal list that we hope will help you out heading into your top up l- draft. How do you how do you feel about this list we've yeah. got together, Brody? Look, I feel like um, over the past week we've became like under eighteen scouts with all like the research we've been doing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> our, it's just another excuse to even follow it closer than we already do. Um, it will have hopefully a bit of relevance for those in salary cap also. You'll get a bit more of a feel for the rookies when their names pop up in the year as we're pretty destined to get injuries. It seems to always happen. So some of these guys may be relevant at some point. So uh, hopefully we can point you in the directions of which one are relevant now and more importantly, which ones are relevant for the next 10 years. Absolutely, which is everything that Keeper Leagues is about. So these are guys that aren't just going to be relevant for right now. You've got to plan ahead. You've got to look to the future with a lot of these guys. And before we dive straight in, I just want to give you a bit of a background on us here at this podcast. We look at this from all angles. So we haven't just dived into what they scored at underage level, so what their fantasy scores might have been. You've also got to look at what teams they got drafted to, what positions are open to them. Uh, You know, we at the extended bench put a bit of a premium on forward players, on defensive players, because it's really hard to find that diamond in the rough, you know, premium defender or Mm -hmm. premium forward. You've got to sometimes reach a little bit for those guys. They might not be scoring as much as the underage midfielders, but you've got to try and pick those guys out because they are very, very rare. So... There's a, there's a lot that you have to look into when it comes to a top-up keeper draft. Definitely. And the other thing um, that you notice over the years is that a lot of the best players from under-18 level are midfielders. Mm. Now, if you're the second best or the best midfielder in your TAC Cup team, your under-18 state team, sure, that's impressive. But you have to now come in and in the long-term future be in the best two to three midfielders in an AFL team. And a lot of people will fall by the wayside. Not that I want to count their career over, but people like Reese Matheson, very highly touted, putting up massive numbers. But when you're not big enough or good enough to be one of the premium midfielders for your team, you can then fall by the wayside. So we're going to hopefully find some of those guys who, if they don't play midfield, they can play a half-forward role, a half-back role, and have that multifaceted sort of uh, position. But... um, 
Also, we're going to look at the midfielders who are going to be very, very good, hopefully. And uh, It's where you get a lot of your points. Is one of them the guy we have at number 20? He <laughs> <laughs> might be. All right, we're going to dive straight in. So, number 20 for us, uh, he's a West Coast Eagles player by the name of Luke Foley. So, uh, and I had this guy ranked quite high, mm-hmm. I feel, um, in my individual uh, list that I did. Um, the reason for that, I mean, realistically, when you look at this guy's um, state league scores in the Waffle Colts, he was averaging 112 points, which is absolutely stellar. But it was the way that he was going about it. He was getting a lot of contested ball. He was hitting the scoreboard, which obviously we know that the way that the AFL is going at the moment, where they teams like those big-bodied midfielders who can also pl- push up into the forward line, mm. I think that will help Luke Foley get games in the West Coast team earlier than a lot of other draftees would. Okay. I mean, it's hard to break into a premiership team or any team at the top end of the ladder, realistically. Just had to sneak that in, didn't you? Mate, I'm sneaking <laughs> it in every podcast. You know it's going to happen. <laughs> uh, you got a Frio and a West Coast fan in here, and you can tell who's on the West Coast side. Um, so, I, I just... I have big hopes for Luke Foley. There might be a little bit of time to wait on him because he's only, I think it's about 75 kegs. So he's not particularly big-bodied yet. However, he is mature age. He, well, yeah. He's a year older. Mm-hmm. He got overlooked by every club and um, then taken in the 30s, I believe. Someone else that happened to? Sam Mitchell. So really, no. <laughs> um, but apart from that, like he's someone who really has shown an ability to put up numbers. I hope that's not because he's a bit more mature and a bit more... Uh, I guess has that experience compared to bottom age players. Mm-hmm. However, in saying that, Braden um, Ainsworth was someone in a very similar situation last year. He was a year older, went to the WA Championships, racked it up much like Foley, and then he got drafted by West Coast. So a bit of a type I'm mm. seeing by West Coast it here. It does seem to be How a little bit. How do you compare some... those two? And there, well, I to be honest, it's hard rating Ainsworth because there's a lot of similar players in the West Coast side. Luke, Luke Foley is something a little bit different because I think he'll retain forward status in fantasy for a little while, oh, wow. which okay. is which is a particularly big thing. So uh, he won't just be a, a straight-up midfielder for the first part of his career, at least. So, And like I say, I think that helps him develop in the side, which gives him a spot ahead of some other people. So, um, yeah, if I was ranking Ainsworth or Foley, absolutely Foley I would have okay, higher than Ainsworth. Um, and, yeah, so hopefully... He can get a spot in the side. Yeah, that's my big mm. concern with him. If there was one, it would be his ability to get into that West Coast team. It's it's very, very strong at the moment, as we know. And we had guys like Dom Sheed who are unable to get games at times yep. last year. Liam Duggan, does he eventually move to the midfield? Look, every team's going to have problems you getting into when you're a first-year mm-hmm. player. Um, and I feel like the thing about him, which I really like, is when he does get in, He'll score very well. Exactly. um, He is definitely one to keep on your watch list. 100%. So uh, with that, we'll move on to the next guy on our list at number 19. Richmond player, we've got Riley Collier-Dawkins. So now this is a guy I didn't... Uh, I didn't actually rate him too highly because, I mean, he go he's playing now for my most loathed fantasy team, which is uh, Richmond. Mm-hmm. But uh, I know that you rank him pretty well. So what do you like about Riley Collier-Dawkins, yeah, mate? Yeah, so... Firstly, I think like even the fact that Richmond aren't fantasy relevant doesn't really. I don't really care because it's it, this swings and roundabouts, right? And this and is a keeper league. It's a keeper league. So the fact, the assumption that they won't be fantasy relevant for the next you know five years, ten years, it's not something that weighs heavily on my mind. Although North Melbourne are probably an example <laughs> that it can happen for five to ten it's, years. It's been a long time for North Melbourne. <laughs> um, 
So Riley Collier-Dawkins, I actually think that the Richmond midfield that now you'll bring up another player in a second here who wasn't ranked, but um, there's there's actually spots in that inside midfield in my opinion. Now maybe not this year, but their depth is all gone. Miles is gone, Corey Ellis mm-hmm. is gone, whatever you think of him. Um, so they have a guy who could potentially come in, maybe not this year, but in two to three years. Collier Dawkins is that prototypical big body, tall midfielder, which everyone seems to love right now. Yep. And I think that with Cochin and Dusty in their, you know, late-ish 20s, there's going to be a spot eventually. But if he hits his ceiling, he could be that guy we're talking about as a, one of the top three players, mm-hmm. top five players coming from this pool. And that's what I really like. I think his upside's enormous, and I think his pathway to get into that team is actually a lot better than people would think. I think that it won't happen this year, but Paddy Cripps, he sat a year out of the game when he was very raw, and then came in that second year and had a huge impact. Maybe Collier Dawkins can do the same. And he he had a, a fairly big growth spurt as well, Riley mm. Collier Dawkins, which, so he was playing as a more of an undersized midfielder and then was playing as a, as a tall midfielder. Yeah. Um, that took a bit of adjustment at his underage level and that's reflected in his fantasy scores. I mean, I think he only averaged about 50 yeah, in the, um, the uh, under 18s and then in... I think when he was playing in the TAC Cup, he averaged 70 or so. The thing is, he wasn't playing um, midfield. No, they play, they played him up forward. They threw it. You'll find with a lot of these guys, especially in the TAC Cup, they throw them around into all sorts of different positions. So it's just another reason why you can't solely look at their fantasy scores. You have to watch a little bit of vision. And obviously doing this podcast, that's something that we do quite often. So watch the vision, have a look at the teams that they've been drafted to, what positions are open to them. Um, And like you say, I I don't mind the idea behind Riley Collier-Dawkins possibly having an inside midfield spot at Richmond. Cochin isn't getting any younger. Dusty will be playing inside midfield for another few years, but they do have to blood some guys that yeah. are tall, uh, big bodied that can take those spots over. He's what they need. Mm. And he could be one. And we've got another guy, like you just mentioned, coming up a little bit later, who I think could be the one. Well, so. um, also, the, someone I'm touching on who wasn't on the list, um, Luke English. Yes. Now, he didn't make our top 20, but mm-hmm. he's someone you're very high on. And you said Richmond was maybe a bit of a deterrent for you now. In spite of, I guess, in light of what I've just said, does mm-hmm. that change anything for you, or you still have it's, him? It's tough, because I had him on my list, uh, and when we brought the list together, he didn't make his way onto Sorry the final. That, yeah. Oh, mate, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. That's what democracy's all about. But uh, I just feel his scoring was just so prolific at underage level. Um, I mean, he just knew how to find the ball, and we've seen with Richmond that they do tend to chuck pit like with Jack Higgins he's a, he's going to be a midfielder Jack mm-hmm. Higgins won't be a small forward all his life mm-hmm. and they tend to like these midfielders who can play up forward yeah i could see english playing up forward more easily than i could see riley collier dawkins playing up forward okay. because he while collier dawkins is tall and you could make the argument that he could play as a third tall I don't think that's his natural ability. Agreed, yeah. And Luke English could play better as a smaller type forward and work his way into the midfield. So that's why I had English a bit higher. And I am still perturbed by Richmond to, as a fantasy <laughs> team, to be <laughs> honest. It's just an awful team to try and break into at the moment because they do have so much depth. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with them for this year. Um, all right, we'll move on to number 18, shall we? Next guy on our list. And this is the Sydney Swan. He was the... Um, their top draft pick this year, Nick Blakey. He's another one of their absolute bargains that the Swans have got. Just 
I mean, Callum Mills, Isaac Heaney. It's getting ridiculous, some of these guys that they get. Eddie is going to come in here in a second. <laughs> <laughs> He's had a really bad week with the Stars losing as well. So we should just talk about Sydney Academy. Oh, but he's had so. a bad few months, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. um, all right, so Nick Blakey. Looks like he's going to be a very, very talented player. Yeah. The only question is, how do you feel about his fantasy chops? So this is pure... I guess the, the reason he's down this far for me, and I guess the reason he wasn't on your list at mm-hmm. all, is purely role. We have huge question marks over that. So in a shallow keeper league, um, someone like Collie Dawkins, Blakey, don't even look at because they're guys for the long-term future. Absolutely. Um, Blakey, someone who I could see him having a fairly similar trajectory to maybe this year is someone like Darcy Fogarty. Mm-hmm. Like he's big-bodied. He could come in, play, play a third tall. Don't know if he'll get too many games. And he won't score particularly well. However, your your hope for Nick Blakey is the fact that he develops into a big-bodied inside midfielder, a bit of a theme here, for the long-term future. Mm-hmm. And he's someone who's... I feel like his ceiling's... It's uncapped. Like, he could be a very, very, very relevant fantasy player. And the mm. situation, I love it. I think Sydney's midfield's quite bad. Yep. Um, JPK's old. Um, Parker feels like the big dog with Heaney coming in there. Mills, yeah, sure, he could get there. Yeah, Zach Jones. I think Mills stays back, to be honest, yeah. this year. Okay, interesting. So, um, you got, have guys like Florent running through mm-hmm. there. I think there's... The point I'm making, there's definitely room for a big-bodied midfielder. Blakey won't be there for a few years, so don't draft him expecting to be. But I feel like his ceiling is massive. These 194 kind of guys are where it's at. And yeah, Sydney, the way they play, if Longby stays on, I feel like it suits Blakely's skill set. Yeah. I See, I actually like Blakey for a different reason. And that is that I think that he might not be necessarily a full-time big-bodied midfielder. Okay. I think he's going to retain sort of a half forward role like maybe even a um a third tall going yeah. into the midfield regularly which means he'll keep his forward status for the majority of his career and that's a big thing for us on this yeah. podcast we want to look for guys who will keep forward status keep defender status you i mean they're really handy for one or two years if you get a guy who luckily happens to get a um DPP but if they lose it, that guy is, you know, someone who is averaging 95 as a defender is gold. As a midfielder, that's almost worthless. I totally agree. So, I could not care less about low 90 midfielders. Exactly. I know a lot of people try keep him, try fit roster spots. No, I want ceiling. If, if you give me every day of the week someone who's, you know, 50% chance to get 100 or 50% chance to get 80, give me that guy every day of the week because mm-hmm. they're the guys who win your leagues. Yeah, so you, you really want to look for guys in these drafts that you think may retain forward status or defensive status or rock status for the majority of their career and still score well. Yep. So, you know, if you can find a guy who you think will average 90 to 95 as a pure forward for most of his career, which could be Blakey if he's playing mm-hmm. half forward mm-hmm. and through the midfield, that's a really good pickup. Yeah, I could definitely see uh, that scenario happening as well, which mm-hmm. would which would definitely be a fortuitous one for Absolutely. him. Absolutely. Alright, so our next player is uh, Geelong Ruckman, which just hurts me to say. It hurts. Um, Darcy Fort. So, mature-aged guy. I think he's about 24, 25 or something yeah, 25. like that. Yeah, um, 25. And he's coming to Geelong. We know the situation there with the Rucks. They've got mm. so many. You have no idea who's going to play. But... My only thinking is, surely, if you are drafting him in the national draft, it wasn't the rookie draft or anything like that, if you are drafting someone in the national draft as a mature age ruckman, you are expecting them to play. Mm. And you are expecting them to play soon. So, this isn't someone that you want to spend years developing like a Tim English or 
um, some of your other younger draw, uh, younger ruckman. Um, he's someone that you're going to get into your team this year, which is very big for keeper leagues um, in the ruck position because we know how poor rucks can be. And this guy averaged incredibly well over um, in the sandfall. Yeah. Over 100 average in the sandfall against mature bodies. I mean, he's playing against guys like... I forget the name of the um, the Adelaide backup rucks. Riley O'Brien. Riley O'Brien. There we go. Because Riley O'Brien, I mean, he's, he's barely ever played mm-hmm. AFL football. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's expected to all of a sudden take over Sam Jacobs' role yeah. when Jacobs gets too old for it. Um, and, you know, this guy, Darcy Ford, is smashing Riley O'Brien in terms of fantasy scoring in the sandfall. So I, I don't know why he wouldn't play. There's I think cool... that says more about Riley O'Brien yeah, than that's Darcy true. Ford, that's true. to be honest. But... <laughs> but a 100 average, you know, for a yeah. Ruckman is pretty solid. Yeah, but the only, the only... I will throw a bit of water on the fire there because mm-hmm. um, I think if you look around any state leagues... Any half decent quality ruckman tears it up, like in yeah. terms of pure numbers. Like I reckon Zach Clark was probably averaging oh, like one fifteen. Zach last year. Clark yeah. averaged one hundred and twenty-two points go. in the waffle last year. It was ridiculous. <laughs> there you go. And, and Zach Clark at his best is actually a pretty decent ruckman. So no I didn't mean that as an insult, but mm. but like so, just yeah, temper your expectations a little because. There aren't good Ruckman going around, because if they were good, they'd be on an AFL list. That's true. Still, with Darcy Fort, he's got an option to play, as you've pointed out and articulated. The only concern there is, with the new rule changes, is it two Rucks? Is it mm. him and Reece Stanley? Because they're the two ahead in the pecking order right now. Stanley is versatile enough to be a forward. Yep. Maybe Fort plays 60% of the Rucks. Stanley mm. plays 40 Wouldn't be great for fantasy scoring, but if he gets that number one Ruck role... Gee, he could be anything. It, it could be really big. So it's an interesting one to watch. I would check out the JLT because, you know, who knows where Zach Smith is fitting into the pecking order. You've got Radigulia, um still down in the lower levels. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, the next pick slotting in at number 16, we're looking at uh, the little guy from Adelaide, Ned McHenry. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just not sure what to make of Ned. He's a tackling machine and he gets so many points from that, which is great, particularly at underage level. But I just have something about small forward pocket players, and mm. they just never seem to average well. They every once in a while they'll crank out a huge fantasy game, and then they'll go for sixties week after week. Um, do you think that he can break the mold of that? And, yeah. Um, so obviously, I like Ned McHenry a bit more than Christian, given his uh, <laughs> given that introduction. Yeah. Um, well, Ned McHenry reminds me of a poor man's Jack Higgins. I think that's probably a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. I don't think he, his numbers... He's not as slutty as, as Higgins when it comes to fantasy scoring. <laughs> but he's really... He's got this energy, and he brings something to the team. Um, he can play forward pocket, sure, but he also could play on a half-forward flank. He's someone who could have spurts through the midfield a bit, Orazio Fantasia-ish. Like, he's someone I could see... Well, he'll retain forward for his whole career, which I absolutely love about yep. him. Um, and he's someone who tackles a lot, as you alluded to, and he gets decent disposal games. Like He averaged 84 in the TAC Cup mm-hmm. and 86 in the Under-18 Championships, which aren't numbers to be sneezed at. No, so, absolutely not. Um, I'm really happy investing in that sort of player. I definitely think in his early years, he'll probably be a you know high 50s forward. So that's my concern there, is you're probably not going to get a read on whether he is forward pocket or fantasy relevant until year three, year four. Yeah. Um, Higgins has shown, though, 
uh, is someone who, you know, he only averaged low 60s, but you'd feel pretty confident going forward with him, given how good a player he is. Oh, you'd be keeping uh, Jack Higgins. Jack Higgins if, you were, if you were in a league this year deciding who to drop, Jack Higgins would be one of your keepers. You'd be pretty happy with his output. Very much so. And, and I think that Ned McHenry can return not quite that, that value, but I think he can get pretty close to it. And frankly, Adelaide's drafting has been fantastic in the last mm. few years. And the fact that they wanted him at pick 16 says a lot about his talent level, in my opinion. 100%. Um, yeah, no, that's a good argument. And I I do love his tackling numbers. I mean, he I, I think it was like 10 or 15 more tackles than any other player at the under-18 level. It was ridiculous. Yeah. So if you can always get plus fours like that, that's, that's an easy way to up your average. Um, all right, sitting at number 15 on our joint list... Uh, Isaac Quainer snuck in there, the uh, the Collingwood defender. Um, and this is another guy that is all positional. For, for me in particular, and I think for you as well, Brody, um, this is a guy that we think is going to play halfback throughout his entire career. We think can average well, can push his average up from modest numbers at best, yep. to be honest, at under 18 and um, TAC Cup level. That's what's holding him back. That's, yeah, so he would be very, very high on our lists if he was... Scoring a little bit better at underage level, but that halfback role that he plays, the skill that he has, Collingwood will want to get the ball into his hands. You know, at the moment, Collingwood do have a lot of those halfbacks, but, you know, some of them are getting older or players like Sharon are getting injured very regularly. Um, I think that if he can just keep on the park, he's a, he's a great young player, very, very talented. Um, he could be a, you know, 85 easily averaging defender pushing up into the mid-90s. And if he does that, then he probably justifies a top three pick on this list. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just... And he has that potential. So the thing I watch Isaac... um, Isaac Quaint. I'm not Isaac (laughs) (laughs) Rack. Could have hated myself there. Um, I think you would probably agree... He's not all there yet. It's like a it, there's a very good player forming and his athleticism mm-hmm. and you know his kicking and you're like gee this guy has the ability to be great. But then when you're watching him, sometimes his composure is like not quite there. Or he'll take on someone and get done. You know yeah. his handballing. I look at his technique and I'm going, what are you doing? Sometimes, mm-hmm. but I think that. The Collingwood situation is pretty good. Would you agree? Yeah. So I think that Collingwood going forward, so we're talking in three to four years' time, I think it'll be a good place for Isaac Quainer to be in the, on the half-back line. At the moment, it's a bit wishy-washy because, there, like I say, there are a few of those mm. players there. But Isaac Quainer is going to be at the top of the list of half-backs um, in a, in a few sure, years' time. Yeah, and the Sam Murray incident helps him. Yeah, it does. And obviously Tyson Goldsack is, retu- is going to be having his injury struggles this year and then likely retiring very, very soon. You've got Scharenberg, who's just suffered an ACL, and I think that might be his third ACL since his underage Mm -hmm. years. Um, That's really tough to come back from. Jack Crisp is a very good young player, but in three to four years, you know, he'll be almost 30. Um, So Maynard's... Maynard's good, but there's a spot for a halfback there. Absolutely, absolutely. there's a spot for a skillful halfback, someone that they want to get the ball in the hands of, um, and it's just whether or not he can... Get that uh, read on the play to get into the right spots. Um, I think that the new rule changes will help Isaac Quainer as well. I was just about to say that. Totally agree. It suits him perfectly. Yeah. So uh, we think he's a good pick there at number 15. So number 14 for us is another Adelaide player, uh, which is weird because not Adelaide is not 
one of the primary teams that I would choose from. They're, they do have quite a few midfielders. I think this guy will break into the list very soon, though, and that's Chase Jones. Um, really, really good player. I mean, his scoring at under-18 level was fantastic. Averaged 96.7 at the under-18 championships. Um, and just, we don't actually have stats for him at uh, the Tasmanian League. Um, uh, And as we know, Tasmania just doesn't give out stats. (laughs) Um, They don't like numbers down there, unfortunately. So it's, I mean, just the way that he racks the ball up, um, I think there's a good chance that he will be playing possibly half back flank or half forward flank, maybe for the first few years of his career, which will give you a little bit of cushioning um, and maybe let you play him on your field if he's getting regular games as well, if he does have that DPP status. But when he hits his stride, I feel, even if he's a pure midfielder, at the prime of his career, I feel he will be a very high scorer. Yeah, I agree. I think um, my biggest deterrent with him is the fact that he played for the Allies. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, because his numbers also include the second division, not just the first division, it pads his stats quite a bit. However, in saying that, I think, once again, I really rate Adelaide's drafting. And I think the, the problem with Adelaide, though, is they're not afraid to make their guys wait. Tom Duday was, you know, three years before he really got... A go, um, Gallucci and Polke are in and out on the side every other week. Yeah. Um, Miller uh, took some time to he get really in. Really did, but if you look, Miller third year and he's doing really well. Absolutely, Dude, third year did really well. I think if we wait that long for Chase Jones, he'll really sh- start to show his signs also. Mm-hmm. But as you said, half forward, half back, probably putting up scores in what the fifties mm-hmm. for his first couple of years. It'll be a hard hold. That's why he's this slow. But yeah. as I agree with you, I think once Sloan goes. He could be a real big beneficiary and a really good fantasy scorer. And he's a very similar player in my eyes to Rory Sloan. Great inside and outside player. Um, Not necessarily like, you know, Matt Crouch, which is absolutely an inside player. Brad Crouch is a bit more, you know, has a bit more speed than Matt, but still is that inside clearance player. Um, I think Chase Jones would fit Rory Sloan's spot perfectly, actually. Um, So we'll move on from him and we'll talk about number 13, which uh, Jai Caldwell from a Greater Western Sydney. Um, now, this was a very, very interesting one because yeah. uh, there was a big disparity between uh, Probably where, we, where disparity we ranked between it. any of our players. Very, very big disparity. So, uh, I'll let you have a quick talk about Jai Caldwell. Okay, perfect. You start preparing, I guess, the argument against now because <laughs> it might be a long one. Which you can see know. what side of the argument um, I'm on. See, I, I don't like going into bat for Coldwell because I didn't think I was that high on him. I thought I was probably more where the consensus mm-hmm. was. Um, you've really uh, yeah, changed my opinion on that. <laughs> but Coldwell, supremely talented. No one's arguing that. I think the fact uh, that the numbers he put up, you know, 12 months ago, we were talking about him as a very, very, very high pick. Mm-hmm. Now, my big knock on him is the hamstrings. That is where all of my concern comes from because he's done it so many times and I really don't like investing in injury-prone players. I believe that'll probably be where you've got a lot of your concern from, that and the fact he's at GWS. Mm -hmm. Now, with Dylan Shield going, uh, I know that Hopper probably is the immediate beneficiary of that role, maybe Taranto. Taranto as well. Yeah, but I think that in the longer-term future... Jai Caldwell, that's who they drafted first. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, I would have him ahead of Jackson Haley because Ooh. they've gone, we think he's better than Haley, in my opinion, mm-hmm. because their actions showed that. Now, he also is someone who, I really like his burst away from the stoppages. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that 
he has a bit of that Dylan Shield in him, um, not to the same extent, but I think that his ability to accumulate, as well as his impact every time he gets a dis- uh, disposal, will allow him to get into that team sooner yeah. rather than later. Okay, interesting. So, uh, and I like everything you said, don't get me wrong. The only thing I would bring up is, um, and like you mentioned before, uh, the fact that he's going to GWS is going to be a harder team to break into. Yep. The hamstrings are a bit of a question Massive for me. Point, yeah. But the thing for me is I don't like his long-term scoring ability. There's okay. there's a lot of, you know, we talked already about so many of these players that we think, uh, even though they haven't put up big fantasy numbers, that they are going to, at some stage of their career, put up particularly large fantasy numbers. Um, Jai Caldwell, for me, just hasn't done enough to suggest that he will be a... Uh, high-scoring midfielder throughout his career. Okay, I do definitely see that because I think he is a better real-life player than a fantasy yeah, player. Yeah, he reminds... Actually, you brought it up before. He reminds me a lot of Dylan Scheel. Yeah. Um, and Dylan Scheel was never really someone that you would, like, sell your left leg for no. to get on your keeper thing. Mm. He's he's that guy that would sort of always put up, like, a 95 to 100 average, which is okay, but he's not someone that I think is going to turn into a true premium of the fantasy game. So that's why I had him a little bit lower. I could be proven completely wrong, but I think he's more of a, a flashy, skillful player who will just get you know the ball in bursts and might you know catch the eye and might be someone that you need to stop because he gets quite a few clearances, but he's not going to be that fantasy midfielder, okay. if you catch my drift. I definitely see all those points, yeah. Um, so uh, we'll move on from Caldwell and talk about uh, our number 12 pick from Port. Another team we don't normally look at for fantasy, but Xavier Dersma slotted in here at number 12. Um, now, there's obviously a bit of preseason hype going on at the moment with uh, Xavier Dersma. They've just had a, um, uh, you know, a mock game down at Port Adelaide, and he was particularly uh, good in that game. He racked up the ball, and everyone was saying that he was one of the best on field. Uh, I tried not to let that <laughs> sort of affect my choice uh, of where I was picking him Why'd too much. Why'd you have much. him at third overall, then? I didn't have him <laughs> at third overall, Brody. All right, calm, calm your farm, mate. Um, but, yeah, Xavier Dersma just looks like a player that will be a perfect replacement for someone like a Pollock off the wing or a Pittard off halfback. Mm-hmm. So... He's going to be, you know, maybe fighting out with Ryan Burton this year for a lot of games, um, maybe Joel Garner, someone like that. But for me, I think that his long-term position is on a wing where I think he could rack it up. Uh, because, I mean, his scoring at underage level was also fantastic. Yeah. Um, he put up great numbers. I mean, what we're we looking at here, we're looking at... But I believe a hundred. Yeah, uh, yeah, a hundred at the. Um, and that's uh, over ten games as well. Yeah, so, which, yeah. which is a really, really. But good that's statistic. in Cup, which you know is again is this, an ideal. These are all underage games, yeah. and it's really hard to gauge where they will or how they will score at um, uh, AFL level. Mm. But yeah, I just really like what I've seen from him. I like the um, the role uh, opportunity at Port Adelaide, considering that, like I say, Pollock and Pittard have left. Uh, so I think he'll get early games. He may have halfback status through some of his early career if he is running off that uh, back flank, but he may also be a midfielder that you need to stash in the hopes that he can can become a wingman sort of in the Andrew Gaff style. That's how I see his play. Interesting. I think we have a bit of a different take on him then Mm -hmm. because 
I don't see him, I think, as a wingman long-term. I see him more as a half-back, which mm-hmm. I think is actually better for fantasy. Absolutely, and I have no issue with saying yeah. that, that he could be a very good half-back player. And if he can keep defence, you know, his whole career, his pace, I love his mm-hmm. um, his burst off the half-back line. I think Zach Bottas may be that more wingman sort of player yeah. who they've brought in as well. But, uh, yeah, Dersma, he's... You know, he offers a lot and he could debut very early. Some people will go, but Port have so many halfbacks. <laughs> Who are their good halfbacks? Yeah, that's true. Riley, Tell me that. Riley Bonner hasn't really, really done it. I mean, he had that great three-game patch at the start of last yeah. year, tailored off for the entire year after that. Um, obviously, Pittard's gone. Pittard's gone. Ryan Burton's come in, but I still don't know what his best position yeah. is. Hamish Hartler has come back, to be fair, as well. But so. he's so injury-prone, yeah. and, and he's also older than you think. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, they don't have a, a mass of really good halfbacks. Put it this way, uh, Hartlett doesn't worry me long-term, and Dersma could be a replacement there, but I think Port also, talent-wise, need mm-hmm. to start blooding these guys. I think they're in a bit of a new direction, and Ken Hinckley's come out and said he wants to, you know, offensive up the rejig that game plan. Yeah. And I think Dersma, Butters, Rosie are the sort of classy, uh, precision-kicking, burst players who will add to that sort of game plan. So mm-hmm. I could see him getting games earlier rather than later. And if so, he should be someone drafted very early. Yeah, I like it. Um, so number 11 on our list uh, from the Brisbane Lions, we're looking at uh, the big-bodied Eli Smith. So this is a guy that I, I really like the look of. I love his scoring ability. I mean, he averaged about 94.5 at um, under-18s level. And in the... Uh, oh, I think TAC, it was... 86. In the TAC, it was 86. That's yeah. it. Um He's got the ability to find the ball. He's got a really big body. The question is, was that the reason he was finding more of the ball? You know, And at AFL level with the more mature aged players, is he going to struggle a bit more? Mm-hmm. I think he can break through that. Um, you were mentioning players like Reese Matheson earlier. Uh, ben Keyes is another one at Brisbane who's sort of been weeded out a little bit. Yep. So I think that Eli Smith will be given games ahead of those sorts of players because they haven't really hit their strides at AFL level. Yeah, I totally agree. I think he's a, he's a candidate to really come in early as a result of his you know big frame, as we've talked about. I think that he could be... that. That's what they're looking for, right? Mm. Jared Lyons has just come in. They've drafted Eli Smith to very similar role sort of players, big inside-bodied midfielders. They don't want to be bullied at the contest yep. because they have the guys on the outside who are pretty good. So I think that they probably want to get games into him and they've also expressed that Jared Berry may be utilised more outside, mm-hmm. which I wasn't expecting um, considering how good he was on the inside last year, mm. but that could be great for Smith as well. And Brisbane on the up, it really is a perfect storm, the situation, what they're looking for. I like it a yeah. lot. Uh, Jared Lyon coming into the side, might, or Jared Lyons, might be a little bit of a hindrance to him getting early games Definitely. because I think Lyons will play an inside role for yep. the Lions. But, you know, as a stashable player, I think I really like the look of Eli Smith. Mm. Uh, number 10 on our list, and I was shocked that he slipped this far, but this is what democracy does. <laughs> we're, uh, we're looking at Jackson Hately from GWS. So I, I just love everything about this guy. Um his scoring ability at underage level, his quick hands, he's very good on both feet as well. Um, he's good size about him. He's going to be a midfielder. I feel that if his career goes the way I think it does without any injuries or issues like that, that he will be a, a guaranteed 105 averaging midfielder for oh, me. Interesting. Um, I, I don't see any issue with calling that this early. Um, 
the th- the thing that sort of sticks in my craw a little bit is the fact that he's playing for GWS. It's hard to get spots there considering how talented their midfield is. I mean, you know, you've got players who were drafted the year before, like Aiden Bonner, who will probably be given games ahead of him, and he is a very good midfielder slash forward uh, type player. Um, but everything about Jackson Haley just makes me think that he's going to be a terrific player. And for me, a more fantasy-friendly player than Jai Caldwell. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I know that you have a different view of yeah. Haley than I do. So I, I do agree that he's a more fantasy-friendly player than Jai Caldwell. But I think that Caldwell being a better player will give him the opportunity to play in more fantasy-friendly positions than okay. Jackson Haley. Now, Jackson Haley, I actually really loved coming into the draft. I will preface with that. <laughs> I really project him quite similarly to like maybe an Ollie Wines or a Will Brody. I feel mm-hmm. like he's got that big-bodied type, and it doesn't necessarily think he's, mean he's going to be amazing, but it's that big-bodied type which I think showed that it can work at mature age level. He averaged 83 in the sample, mm-hmm. which I really like um, personally. That's, that's very encouraging. The problem I have with Jackson Haley is one... GWS. I know I just said I don't yeah. mind it for Coldwell, but I think with Coldwell ahead in the pecking order, and I think Hopper might be a better player than him too. So I think uh, yeah, Hopper will obviously be playing much more midfield time than uh, Hately yeah. will. And um, the, the, the other weird thing is GWS's recruiting staff when they drafted him, they said we view Hately playing as a utility. We want to try him in a number of roles, Ooh. which was very confusing to mm. me because I think everyone would have foreseen him to be an inside mid. I don't know what they're planning. Like, I actually... I know the purpose of this podcast is to go, this is what we think will happen, and you should rank your guys accordingly. Yeah. I have no, no idea. No idea whatsoever now with Hayley. Wow. Because what can he play at? He's a bulky kind of... I wouldn't have said, like, pace was an asset of his no. stretch, but he is big-bodied and... Could he play third tall? Could he play... Like, he's, he's got a good kick on him, I but I wouldn't, know, I wouldn't like, suggest that he's like a, a particularly booming kick. Like, right. he's, he's not exactly... He couldn't play like a Luke Ryan from Fremantle role or a Shannon Hearn from West Coast sort of role, like halfback who's... I, I'm, I'm not sure. That's actually thrown me a little yeah, because I, I haven't seen that him. vision. Yeah, I, yeah. I haven't seen that vision. So, um, if... All I will say is, and the way I still see his career going, if he is playing as a midfielder, which he should be, considering mm-hmm. his strengths and his talents, he will be a 105 averaging mid. Yeah. But that is why he has slipped a little bit on our list. The fact that we are not sure where he slots in to GWS's side. Yeah. So, and he could still very well play, play midfield. I mm-hmm. think they're just kind of saying we envision he can play a number of roles, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It means no. he could get games earlier than we would otherwise expect. And then trend towards a big-bodied midfielder, at, you know, yeah. in his prime. So exactly, like yeah. like we were talking about earlier with uh, with Chase Jones or um, someone like uh, you know Collier Dawkins. Collier Dawkins. Yeah. Exactly, he could get a spot uh, somewhere else on the field, you know, earn the trust of the playing group, and then move into the midfield. So, well, uh, it's a watch and see there. But he has slipped down to ten. Has Jackson Haley? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> What was that? <laughs> no, just, uh, oh, you just apologized. I, I barely had him in the 20 and you had him I, very I high. Had, yeah. I had quite high to, uh, to Jackson Haley. Um, so number nine for us uh, is another player who I really like the look of. I've got a man crush on this guy and that's Luke Valenti from Fremantle. I'm still so salty that Fremantle got to pick him up in the mid-30s. I am absolutely positive that West Coast is going to Roneal at 26 or something like that. 
And I like Luke Foley, don't get me wrong, but Xavier O'Neill did not show anything to, close to being a top 30 pick at under eight. I'll get off that train of thought because otherwise I'll just yell into the microphone. But uh, Luke Valenti averaged incredibly well in the Sandful and at uh, under 18s comp. So what average did he put up? He put up 87 in the under 18s. Um, and looking down to the um, uh, Sandful under 18s, he put up 117. Now, keep in mind, not Sandful, you know, the actual league, mm-hmm. but still. Uh, very, very good average. Which... It's absolutely incredible. Um, his tackling is fantastic. He's, um, he, I mean, I don't want to say this because it's not fantasy relevant, but he's a very good leader, mm. and that's the sort of player that teams want on the field, particularly rebuilding teams like Fremantle. Uh, if he's fit, which I know he's, they need that sort of player in their midfield, uh, particularly after losing Lockie Neal. So, you know... At, Andrew Brayshaw is going to be huge for Fremantle. Adam Cherry is going to be a great, more of an outside midfielder for me, but still going into the clearances every now and then. And then I think Luke Valente is going to be a, a particularly good inside midfield player for uh, Fremantle going forward. Um, and yeah, I just like everything that this kid uh, kid touches. So hopefully um, he can get a few games this year to show off his wares. And I think you should be taking him fairly early in a top-up draft. Yeah, for me, the only reason I didn't have him, I guess, as high as Christian is the fact that he was probably a bit more mature compared to the other guys mm-hmm. in the under 18 level. Um, he was a captain, that's great, and I do like that for, you know, his long-term future, but being a captain, being a mature age body, you get to play in the middle a bit when you're in, you know, when for South Australia like he did. And mm-hmm. I, I think maybe did that help his scoring out a bit? It, why did he drop to the 30s? It does play on my mind to an mm. extent. What I do love about him, though, the situation is amazing. <laughs> it's fantastic. Fremantle's inside midfield is terrible. It's it's Fife. It's a 34-year-old Monday. It's Andy Brayshaw, who's going to be great. And Chera will be great in the inside, I think, long term. But there's still lots of spots. And I think that if he can come in and make one of those spots his own, he should be mm-hmm. a top five, a top three pick. The question for me is, is he talented enough to be one of Fremantle's starting three to four midfielders for the next 10 years? I don't think he is. Mm-hmm. So that's why I haven't got him quite as high. But I've factored in the ability that if he does he's going to be incredible mm-hmm. I, I yeah I just beg to differ with you on the whether or not he's top four or so Frio midfielders he is I at think, the moment but and, and I do we go, draft people or trade in people you true know, I, I, I still feel that um, well Frio's trading is a little bit iffy sometimes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to, be, to be fair but um, no I, I do feel that he's going to be a top four or five midfielder yeah. for Frio going forward um, and the uh, the other thing is like you were mentioning, uh, so obviously you've got those top three or four now, five in particular, Andrew Brayshaw, Chera. Um, after that, you've got a, quite a lot of players like Giroux, um, Bewley, um, you know, players like, I'm trying to think of some of the Conker, other... Conker, Collier. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, Conker, it's, Collier. It's a yeah, lot it's of dire. just depth. <laughs> yeah. So, And these sort of draftees, I think they're going to get early mm-hmm. games because mm-hmm. of that, which means that I think you have to take them a little bit earlier as well mm-hmm. because... Um, they're not going to be on your waiver list uh, no. for a long period of time like some of the guys who might be in the VFL performing yeah. well trying to push for a spot. Yeah, and I, I definitely, on that note, have a huge bias towards people who are going to be getting games early. Someone like Collier Dawkins, he might be in my top 10 long-term guys, but the fact that I'm not going to see him for two years and I have to hold him that yeah. whole time 
without even seeing if I rate him, mm-hmm. like, in an actual setting. I hate that. I hate drafting those guys. Yeah. Uh, Valenti, maybe he's not as talented, but the fact... I'll see him play games. I'll yeah. see him play over 10 this year. And then I'll be able to look at that vision and go, yeah, he passes the eye test. He's someone I really want and want to keep going forward. Or, if he doesn't, I can easily cast him aside and then go pick up one of those sleepers because... Not many people are going to hold guys who aren't playing for two years. So I definitely think that as we get into this top 10, you'll see there's a huge bias towards guys playing early, especially mm-hmm. especially from the guys I ranked. Um, so that is something I love about Valenti because, yeah, as you said, from a short-term perspective, there there aren't mitts. Blakely's out as well, and that's another guy he'd be fighting with. So exactly. I like him a lot. Uh, speaking of playing early, on number eight, uh, Liam Stocker from Carlton now. Carlton sold the farm to get this guy. It was a ridiculous trade. Ridiculously stupid. It was. Oh, it was such a bad trade. I mean, uh, in my opinion, that um, that pick swap with Adelaide. Adelaide did so well out of that, and they're probably going to get pick one or two next year. Let's just put that out there. Uh, I couldn't believe it on the day. Still can't believe it now. But it means that Carlton rate this kid so highly. He's under a little bit of an injury cloud now, but he will get every game that he is fit for because they need to prove that he was worth that pick. They're not going to leave this guy in the VFL just trudging around getting, uh, you know, trying to prove himself to get into the side. They need to show hope to their supporters. He's going to be playing very, very early this year. Yeah, I also really like the fact, as you said, I'm, I like actions louder than words. Every coach can come and say this guy's great. But Colton, we're going to give up. Surely they knew that's likely a top three pick. And they've gone and parted with that to get him now Mm -hmm. at a position where they they need to fill a need. And they want this cohort to all come through with similar ages, I think. Mm -hmm. Now they've got, with getting Walsh and Stocker in, they've got about a four-year core of just incredible talent. Mm -hmm. Incredible first-round picks, or maybe they're not talented, but (laughs) I think they're talented. (laughs) We all think they're talented. So so that's the thing. I think Stocker really has an opportunity to get games. Their depth is quite bad. So if he can get games in the inside midfield, he could be anything. Mm -hmm. And he was a... You know, okay average at our under-18 levels. We're looking at about 86, but still, he's got upside from there. And obviously, they're, you know, they'll be grooming him for a, a midfield role where, I mean, someone's got to get a little bit of the ball in there. I think Liam Stocker's one that will be especially paid less attention to it going forward yeah. than your, your top-line guys. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Walsh, Cripps, and, um, and Paddy Dow as well for me, who I still rate quite highly. Um, so I, I just like the look of this kid, and I think that's why he's pushed up well into the top 10 of yep. our draft. Uh, the next pick uh, is uh, a Ruckman, which has pushed up quite high, actually. Another GWS player. We're looking at Kieran Briggs. Uh, now, we both had this guy up pretty high. Yeah, I was high. surprised we both had him so high. He yeah. just kind of kept climbing. I, I actually, list. well, when I put my list uh, together you know, on my own, I expected him to be one of the guys that you would just leave off. Yeah. But we both had him on ours, and... The reason is the GWS ruck line is awful at the moment. Lob has gone. Um, so what, they bought Mumford back in for a year of... Uh, not a year, only 21 games. He's Sorry, missing. 21 games. <laughs> no, 20 games. Apologies, so. yeah. There, there's, there's he's a... missing a few games for some unknown reason. Yeah, we, we, don't, we don't know what that is. Uh, he's probably over at Oktoberfest <laughs> and just had some entirely legal substances. Um, 
But, uh, yeah, so GWS's ruck line is just looks awful. I mean, Dawson Simpson is really old. <laughs> he's 29 or something like that. And yeah, he's frankly, not, I couldn't care what yeah, he is. It's Dawson Simpson. He's not going to be your number one ruckman either. This yeah. guy put up fantastic numbers. We're talking an average of 100 at under 18 level, which is terrific. Um, dominated the hitouts. He might take some time. It might be like a Tim English situation. But going on what we've seen for this year, going ahead with Tim English, Kieran Briggs is someone that you want to stash for a couple of years so that you own him in his prime. Mm -hmm. Because he's going to have that spot sewn up at GWS, and I think he's going to be a particularly good scorer. That's exactly the reasons that you've just touched on. It's exactly why I had him as high as I did. The situation is very close to the best Mm -hmm. in the league for an emerging Ruckman. Uh, He's shown an ability to score. Mm-hmm. Uh, he scored 70 last year for the Sydney, I think, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty good for an 18-year-old. I, I really I really like it. I think in a two-rock league, bump this guy up even higher. Mm. And yeah, just sit back and wait for the points to start rolling in. Yeah, it's, it's going to take maybe a couple of years before he's really playing a lot because obviously those rucks need to you know build into their bodies. They yep. need to put on some more mass. Um, I mean, he's already up to 95 kilos, though, I think. So he's already got a fair bit of muscle on him. Sorry, no, he's he's actually 103 kilos. So a lot of that will be puppy fat. He's though, been training with Shane Mumford. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's not a good thing. Um, or, although, actually, Shane Mumford got a lot of his points through tackles and through hitouts, which is how this guy has got a lot of his points as well. So that if that's the sort of player he can build into... That would be fantastic for fantasy coaches mm-hmm. out there. Um, all right, so we'll move ahead to our number six, uh, which was uh, one of the top-end picks of the AFL draft. We're looking at Jack Lacocious. Um Now, this is a probably a controversial pick, and we do have some controversial picks in our top six as well. If you are only looking at AFL score or fantasy scores at underage level, because, you know, I mean, Lacocious only averaged, what, we're looking at uh, 80 um, at, uh, where are we? Yeah, 83 at the under-18 level. And uh, looking at uh, Sandful scores, he averaged mm. 63. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, that was in the Sandful. So we're not talking about the under-17 Sandful here. We're talking about mature-aged, big-bodied um, players that he's uh, he's up against uh, on the other teams. Uh, but Jack Lukosius is just someone that, when he's healthy, he'll be playing every game for Gold Coast. They need that star up forward. The ball, when it does come in, and surely at some point, the midfield for Gold Coast will improve enough that there will be a steady flow of ball into the forward line. He will be the recipient of most of that. Uh, he's got more of that ability to play as like a Nick Revolt style player, where he's leading up the ground more, getting more of the ball on the wing. And the other benefit is, obviously, he's going to be a forward throughout his entire career. And that is, as we've said before on the podcast today, huge. Because, you know, if you can get this guy in, I think that he could be a a 90 to 95 averaging forward for his career. Um, Particularly with the new 666 rules, which will definitely benefit forwards. Um, That is gold compared to finding a midfielder who might only average 95 you know, there's a big disparity between those two players, and that's why Lukosius has come so highly up the uh, draft for us. So, yeah, every player remaining is in both of our top ten we mm-hmm. will put out there. So, 
it shows that we actually had a lot of variance between our lists, which was, um, you know, quite interesting. But mm. one thing we can agree on is Jack Lacocious is an absolute stud. Mm. Now, I totally agree with everything you said. Nick Reva, Jack Gunston, I see those sort of comparisons. Him yep. pushing up the ground and being more relevant than your traditional key forward. Someone like a Max King or a Ben King, I would not recommend drafting. Jack Lacocious, it's a different story. Now, he is someone that I would be getting at all costs if he weren't at Gold Coast. Yeah. And that is the biggest concern by far. Mm-hmm. Will he even touch it for the next two years, the next four <laughs> years, the next six years? It is a genuine, genuine concern. Absolutely. Um, here's the thing about Jack Lukosius is, look at Tom Lynch. When he was at Gold Coast, even when Gold Coast sucked, there were years where he put up over 80. Now, you can't expect that sort of production when Gold Coast are bottom one, bottom two, bad, mm-hmm. but if they can even get to a point where they're competitive, it gives Lukosius a chance, and that's when he could be a stud, and that perma-forward that we've both spoke of, spoken Abs- of. Absolutely. The other thing to be mindful of, if you think Lukosius could leave, it, it, I hate to be doing this, like, we don't want to speculate on players leaving when they haven't played a game, mm-hmm. but the Gold Coast leaving risk factor of leaving, it's a real thing, and if Lukosius leaves, bump him up even higher on this board, or factor that in when you draft again because 100% he could be incredible and I have yet to see any evidence that Gold Coast is able to keep their top line players I mean what the top line player that they've kept you know throughout the most of their journey has been what David Swallow who although I rate as a talented AFL player is still not even cracking in the top 50 of the AFL for me, probably. Yep. Um, and they've lost so much talent as well. Obviously, Tom Lynch, Stephen May, just last year alone. Um, Jared Lyons as well, who's someone that I rate pretty highly. That I think they just sort of disposed of him too easily. Um, so, yeah, I think it is a big thing you have to factor in the go-home factor with Gold Coast. Um, now, one other thing that I'll just... Uh, a, a little bit of an aside is I read an article today by Brad Scott um, or referencing Brad Scott and I very rarely agree with him (laughs) but you talking about the fact that it's going to be hard for the ball to get up in the forward line for Gold Coast uh, Brad Scott mentioned that he thinks that uh, pummelings are going to become a much more regular thing with the 666 lineup because teams uh, who are doing poorly will have less weapons to use to stop a run on from a a team which is dominating them Mm -hmm. so a 10 goal lead could turn into a 100 or 120 point lead quite quickly if you can't throw an extra player behind the ball at stoppages Um, and that could be something that affects these Gold Coast players as well like if a midfield is becoming you know if their midfield isn't competitive it's going to be a real struggle for them to get the ball into the forward line um, if they are really losing those clearances. Mm-hmm. So that's something else to factor in. It is something to factor in, but in saying that, I think um, it'll also just make games more high-scoring. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe Gold Coast won't be able to retain it in their defensive 50 for three minutes. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> it'll just be goal straight away, and then you have another shot at it. Um, I think it really could help forwards or key forwards, but it's so hard to tell mm-hmm. at this stage. But, too, too early to really yeah, speculate on that. Um, sure. We'll move on to our number five pick, which we both had quite high, and we're... Looking at Jordan Clark here um, from Geelong. Now, this is another contentious pick, mm-hmm. I would suggest, by looking at his uh, his fantasy scores from underage level. Uh, his best was an average of uh, 72 in um, the under-18 championships. But the way that he played, the way that he used the ball, he's one of those players that will be a, a permanent halfback. Agreed. Um, he'll keep defensive status for his entire career. 
he's one of those players that you'll look to get the ball in his hands as well to control the play. He'll get a lot of plus sixes. Um, you know, you need that sort of defender in fantasy going forward. And I think that even though he's averaged, well, average, he's only averaged, you know, in the low 70s so far, he can easily push that up when he gets to AFL level. And Geelong's probably a pretty good spot to be if you're a halfback at the moment, a young halfback. It might take him a couple of years to break in, but at the moment, you know, Zach Tui's getting that little bit older. Um, obviously, Corey Enright's long gone, but yeah. they're still looking for that style of player. Tom Stewart is probably that at the moment, but he was a mature age player when he came in yeah. as well. So I think Jordan Clark just has class written all over him and he's someone that you'll want in your fantasy side. I think the Corey Enright, actually, now that you've brought him up, I like that as an apt comparison. Mm. I think he's not... Like, he is pretty quick, but he's not, like, overly. But he's just a really good disposer of the ball. Mm -hmm. And I think Corey Enright is someone I can see that similarity between. Uh, I just really hope he doesn't get stuck as more... Not a lockdown, but more Brad Shepard-ish. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want that to be... Um, the, the position he plays because mm-hmm. he's good enough to do that. Hopefully, they utilize his strengths, which is his kicking and mm-hmm. his pace, and becomes a halfback. His read of the ball as well. He's a he's a very good read of the play in terms of up the field as yeah, well. So yeah. it's not just reading the ball in the flight and getting back for an intercept mark. It's also reading where he should dispose the ball to um, in order to best prepare for an attack. Yeah. Um, so I think that. That's the key reason for me why it pushed him up quite far in my draft. Yeah, I love Permabacks. That that really put him up. The situation, I think, is decent. I think it's decent to good. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of upside with Jordan Clark, and he's someone that I would consider uh, drafting quite early. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, number four for us, uh, Port Adelaide, we're looking at Connor Rosie. Um, Connor Rosie, Connor Rose. I still, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I'm going with Rosie. Um, <laughs> I think it's Rosie, but I. Uh, but uh, I've. <laughs> uh, we'll see what BT says next year, and we'll go with that, shall we? Um, so Connor Rosie, again, another one of these players who didn't average the best at underage level. However, he is going to play early, skillful, pacey. He's exactly what Port Adelaide need. They're going to. Th- He's going to either have forward status or back status yeah. for most of his career. He's going to be that very good utility. He's going to have stints in the midfield as well to get those points pushed up. Uh, he's just a really good package that you can guarantee is going to score you well in either your forward line or your back line in yeah. fantasy. I totally agree. The versatility's there. The situation's there. He's going he's gonna to play early. I, I mm-hmm. really firmly believe that, and I believe it'll be as a half-forward to start. But as you said, half-back's an option. He could push into the midfield. It's just... It's a great... It's a great, great player to have mm-hmm. because you can rely on the fact you have DPP for most of his career. And I'm a firm believer that talent weighs out. There'll be some people who sit here and go... You know, situation situation's important to an extent. Mm-hmm. It's important more for the short term. But for the long term, talent's what you're looking for. And I, I just think that he has that in spades. Um, Port clearly wanted him for good reason. And I think he'll be not in the short term, but in the long term, he'll be a very good fantasy scorer. I mm-hmm. think his ceiling is probably limited, but when you have a DPP, who cares? Well, i tell you one thing. If he was drafted by St. Kilda, which is still where I think he should have gone, I think they should have passed on Max King, um, then he would be very close to my number one pick, Conor Rosie. Because Port Adelaide are a team which I worry about in terms of fantasy scores because they've never played a particularly good brand of football for fantasy scores. St. Kilda, though, 
do play a good brand for fantasy scoring, even though it's not a good brand of AFL football. Um, and, and I think that would have pushed him up a little bit. Interesting. My keeper um, kind of rationale, as I said earlier with Richmond, I don't really care about the team's mm-hmm. fantasy scoring ability. Um, so Unless like, it's North Melbourne. Unless it's North Melbourne. <laughs> um, but they're so well-coached and well-structured that yeah, it translates yeah, yeah, right. to a good AFL. Move you on. Know. <laughs> um, it's interesting that you said you would potentially have Rosie that high because, mm. yeah, I don't really factor in team that much unless it's Gold Coast, who I really rank guys down. I'm not even joking because... No, that's... I, I agree. I, I, I don't see the end of the tunnel for them. Mm-hmm. So they're the ones who I actually... It does... Actually, you know what? I tell a lie. Some teams like Hawthorne, they're just so well-ran. I hate saying that. No. But if a player goes there, I'm like, you know what? I take a bit of notice. Like, mm-hmm. I really do. But They've got I don't something in Port. mind. Yeah, I think that Port um, are trying to change their game plan, and I hope that it is a more fantasy-friendly one. Well, let's hope it pays off there. All right, moving up to number three. Speaking of the Gold Coast, Isaac Rankin. Yeah. All right, now, I mean... I feel like I should let you talk about this one because I know how much you like this guy. I, I, I love Isaac Rankin mm-hmm. as a F- AFL player. I think that he's very likely to be the best player from this draft. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he's an absolute stud. I, I think he's a perma forward, which is a, a huge, huge, huge plus. Which is great. His his talent is... He, he'd be a number one pick just about any other year, I really think. Yep. I think that he's a better player than Cam Rayner, and I really like Cam Rayner. <sighs> Oh, so, that's interesting. I, I love I love Cam Rayner, mm-hmm. but um, I think they're at least on par. And you saw how impressive he was last year. So I think that at Gold Coast, I have questions as a forward pocket. What is, what's he going to put up? <laughs> but he, he can he can have stints in the midfield. He can play half forward. He was ready to play as a seventeen year old. Like mm. this, he's he's itching to get out there. Yeah, and um. Man, I, I love the fact that he's a forward. My, my biggest concern is Gold Coast. But no offense, Isaac Rankin, but I feel like personality-wise, what I've seen, what I've heard from his interviews, I feel like he's a flight risk. Yeah, he's. Oh, I, it's, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious to me as well that he's gone in three years, four now, years. Now, Gold Coast kind of had to take him, I think, anyway, because anyone that's just about a flyer is and it's it's also very obvious that you're drafting purely based on someone that you think might stay then which is just a horrible look for the club yeah you have to back yourself in to keep someone which they could still do yeah. but obviously we don't think it'll so happen. let's say Rankin leaves to Port leaves to Adelaide in three years mm-hmm. two years He's number one. He's number one for me in that. I think he could yep. be better than Walsh or... I don't want to say, you know, who's who's next, but <laughs> I really think he's that good. So what do you think on this situation? No, I agree. So if he was at another club, he would be. it would be huge for me. Um, like I say, the fantasy numbers aren't huge in his uh, under-18s, which was about 83 average yeah. um, at state level, which was sandful as well. He was playing against adults. Um, he averaged 62, which again... Is still encouraging for a eighteen-year-old. Well, seventeen at that point, right? Oh, he was, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so for go. a seventeen-year-old playing against these mature-age bodies, um, you know, he's going to have learnt from that. He's going to develop quicker as a result of that as well. I, I just think all signs are positive for Isaac Rankin. He's if he's not injured, he's playing every single game this year, unless maybe one or two rested. Yep. Um, which gives you a great 
ability to look at him, to watch what you think, and I just I'd be taking him super early in your draft. He, he's no that question, good, guys. He's mm-hmm. that good. Yeah. All right. We'll push on to number two. So, uh, and this is from the bullies, uh, Bailey Smith. Now, um, right, I'll talk about this guy a little bit because I love Bailey Smith. He's He's the most professional player in the draft by a long way. The amount that he trains, the way that he goes about like preparing his body for a game, every AFL coach and every recruiter last year just said he was the top of their list. He was absolutely fantastic. He's had a couple of injury issues. Uh, his Achilles, I believe, has been giving him quite a lot of problems last year, which saw him miss some under-18 games. Um, and he also is expected to miss a little bit of time at the start of this season. But considering he's gone to the Bullies, where I think there's a few spots opening up, particularly Dalhouse leaving will give him a good introduction into the team. Um, I think that he pushes ahead of players like Liberatore, Bailey Dale, obviously. Um, we've got some of their other fringe players. Lipinski. Lipinski. You know, they have, Dick, I think Dixon's still floating around. Well, Dixon, I mean, Dixon's more of a forward. Yeah, so. Rock Smith. You know, yeah, there's, yeah. there's guys he'll jump in ahead of. Yeah, and... Bailey Smith is better than all of those guys and put together <laughs> well yeah he's, um, and his scoring ability when he was on the park as well he averaged 122 from his uh, I think he only had the two games but an average of one hundred and two games oh yeah well that that was prior to his injury yeah. um, as a 17 year old um, he's he's got a good sized body already he's coming in at 83 kegs 185 centimetres um you know he's ready to play AFL football as soon as his Achilles issues clear up, which shouldn't be too long from the mail that I've been reading lately. And I just all signs point. What to mail is that from oh. Bailey Scott? In, uh, Bailey Fr- Smith from himself. Ba- Bailey Smith himself. <laughs> uh, one <laughs> <laughs> probably just adding him the whole time. Like, it's... hey man, you feeling better? Like, <laughs> hey man, I can come over and give you a massage. Like, how's that Achilles going? Like, you, you joke, but realistically, this is what's happening. No, it's um just uh I I keep quite a close eye on a lot of the draftees. Um, uh, yeah, you, you know, in all the AFL um. Uh, um, articles and that sort of thing. Instagram. <laughs> Mate, I'm 30. What the hell? <laughs> You're the young one here. <laughs> Bloody Instagram. Um, so, yeah, I just think that Bailey Smith is someone that you want to be taking super early in your yeah, keeper league draft. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I, I have Bailey Smith very, very highly. Mm-hmm. Um, in a keeper league I happen to be in, I have pick one and two. And, mm-hmm. oh, um, Bailey Smith is in very firm consideration for yeah, pick what, two. What ticks me off is that you have pick one and two in our Keeper League despite the fact that you won our Keeper League last year <laughs> because the rest of our Keeper League keeps giving you top ten picks because they're terrible at trading. They give me future picks and then yeah. they just happen to like walk under a ladder or something and their whole team goes cold. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't even get me started. Oh, there are some horrible trades going on, and you always seem to be on the beneficial end of those trades. Well, Bailey Smith, look, I think watching him is—it's actually fun. He's that good. Like mm. the his burst for an—I don't even know if he's an inside or an outside midfielder because very he can balanced. Do both. Yeah. Like he's a very good player. Um, one thing I do question—you know, this guy's so prepared, and he's just ahead of everyone else in that facet. Does that mean his upside is smaller for when he gets into an AFL environment? Or does it mean that he gets the best out of himself and can just become a real elite player of the game? I think it's the latter, to be honest, for me. Yeah. Um, I think that he will get the best out of himself if he's not if he's on the park, if he's yeah. fit, he'll be doing everything he can to perform well. There's yeah. some players who you I mean, you could just see it on the park. They're not mentally up to the AFL standard. You mm-hmm. know, they might be stars in the waffle or the VFL, but they're just not 
they don't have the right stuff to make it at AFL level. Yeah. Bailey Smith has the right stuff to make yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, he'll definitely make it. I'm just it's it's a question of how good will he be. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I think the situation doesn't matter because he'd be a starter anyway. Yeah. A- anywhere he goes, he's that good. Mm-hmm. However, I still like him at the doggies. I think he probably starts as a half back, yep. which would be great. And then he has that for a year or two, goes into the midfield, and he's a star there. He's just a great player, mm-hmm. and he's someone you should. I would be seriously trying to trade into a position where you could get someone like Bailey Smith because I think the hype's on Walsh and if you can trade up a bit and get Smith mm-hmm. I don't think there's maybe that much of a difference no I, th- I think it's just a little bit of injury and a little bit of the fact that uh, our number one pick just to move on happens to be at Carlton so obviously number one for us is Sam Walsh I feel like we don't really have to talk about it too much because, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. Out of 12 games in the TAC Cup, he averaged 120 points, which is just stupid. From his um, four games in the under-18 comps, he averaged 112 points, which is also stupid. I mean, uh, his tackling, uh, his um, composure in the contests, uh, his ability to rack it up, to move to the right spots. He's playing for Carlton. He's going to play every single week this year. Uh, he's going to come in right away. And although he might, he's not going to put up those numbers straight away, let's not say that he's going to be a 100-point averaging midfielder in his first year because no one is really. I can't, I can't think of someone who in their first year out of the under-18s has averaged 100 in the AFL. He could be someone close to like a Clayton Oliver who comes in, does very well in his first year, and then even in, as soon as his second year, explodes and then averages 100 or so. Um, I just think that pretty much in every top-up keeper league around the uh, the nation, Sam Walsh is going to be the number one player for me. Um, is there anything else that you are you would like to add to that? Uh, just that I like Sam Walsh. <laughs> you try, very, very good. Trying to keep a tight lid on. <laughs> like, what do you want me to do, man? Like, I don't want you to have to clean up the podcast room after, dude. He's just that good. He's yeah, that yeah. Good, I, like. I feel like if I get you started on Sam Walsh, that you are going to get a little bit carried away. Everyone knows at this point. It's not like a secret. He's yeah. that good, and I cannot wait to watch him in the JLT because. Yeah, he's 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 going to be a really good player for a long time, mm-hmm. injury permitting. So yeah, yeah. And that was our uh, our top twenty draftees heading into a keeper league top up. Everyone. So just to recap that, we're looking at uh, from twenty to one. We had uh, Luke Foley at twenty, then Riley Collier Dawkins, Nick Blakey, Darcy Fort, Ned McHenry, Isaac Quainer coming in at fifteen, Chase Jones from Adelaide at fourteen, Jai Caldwell, Xavier Dersma, Eli Smith. Jackson Haitley was a bit contentious falling down to number 10, but we 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 push on. Uh, Luke Valenti at 9, Liam Stocker at 8, Kieran Briggs, Jack Lacocious, uh, Jordan Clark starting the top 5, Connor Rosie, Isaac Rankin, Bailey Smith, and Sam Walsh was a unanimous number 1. And we actually have a few honourable mentions. Yeah, we'll go right with a couple now. of those. So the people that Christian had uh, who didn't quite make the list... Mm-hmm. Firstly, Luke English. Yeah, I, who I do like, I think is going to be very interesting to watch. Brett Bewley. Mm-hmm. I think he could come in and have a real impact. Game straight uh, away. Yep. Marty Hoare. Yeah, very interesting to see. It, it's just tough to break into Melbourne's side, but he's got... There could be a spot for him. Hibbert's going to be very interesting to see what his role is this year. Yeah, definitely. And the last one is Taron Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, Tar- Taron Thomas is just someone that is just such a tackling machine and such a good inside player, but he plays for North Melbourne, so we push on. Yep, and uh, all <laughs> my guys pretty much made it in. The only one for me who um, you didn't have was Riley West. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, who could be very, very interesting. Um, 
just not 100% sure where he slots into the Bulldogs at the moment. I'm the exact same. I, he's a very interesting one because, like, he's West. West is in his name. We saw what Scott West did. Mm-hmm. Like, how good could he be? But undersized midfielder, yeah, they don't, there's not really too much of a place for them these days, so he might have to pick up a different role. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. So we hope that that helps all of you out there heading into your Keeper League top-ups, which I'm sure are happening very soon, if not as the JLTs start to come into play. Um, if you have any questions at all, don't forget you can hit us up on Twitter. We are at ExtendedBenchAU. Um, and we look forward to bringing you some more preseason content soon. Um, but good luck with your fantasy drafting coming up. And thanks again for joining me, Brody. Thanks for having me on, Christian. Fantastic. See you next time, everyone. <laughs>